Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to The Debrief with your friends here at Sandals Church. We're here with a PMB who's going to get yes. some real answers to tough questions today. Mm-hmm. And we have two very special guests. Very We've got special. the A pastors, Pastor Adam and Pastor Alfredo. What's going on? of our campus pastors here at Sandals Church. And they help me with research. So we are now trying to get together on Mondays to talk about uh, the sermon, and they are just providing just, man, a whole nother le- level of depth and research and ideas. And we had, we had a good time yesterday. Yes, we did. So um, I think they were the only two who had good ideas. <laughs> so, <laughs> still, That's where you guys both go, no, no, still, you didn't. Well, no, yesterday yeah, was tax day. You, you brought I was a lot. Still, I was still in, in needing therapy. Mm. So I was a little worried. I'm always a little anxious yeah. to tax day. It's interesting that you then wanted us to do a podcast on stealing after mm-hmm. tax day. Yeah. Anything you want to confess? Ooh. No. No, actually, <laughs> I overpaid last year. So hey. my I have good news. My momentum commitment will be paid for as soon as the IRS gets my money back to me. So I'm super excited mm. to have the momentum commitment done. That's cool. That's great. All right. Yeah. So we are in a series at Samuel's Church right now called 10 Reasons Everyone Needs God, which some people don't realize is actually a series all about the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. So we've covered the first two, coveting and lying, and now we're going to do a quick episode here on stealing. So we were out last week, but we want to make sure to get this one in before the episode you guys are all waiting on sex and adultery. <laughs> yes. Um, but we've got some great <laughs> questions that have come in, some really honest questions from people, which I really appreciate. So we'll go ahead and jump on in there. Um, I'd love to kind of set the stage, though, just about talking about stealing, because I think it's one of the ones that, I mean, I've thought we were just going to skip this episode because I think hmm. we can tend to kind of overlook it. Are you going to share about your life of crime? Uh, yeah, we'll get there <laughs> okay. later. We'll yeah. save that. Um, but why do you think we tend to overlook this sin or maybe justify it or think it's not that bad? What do you think that comes from? Hmm. I, I don't know why people overlook it. I think uh, like me, um, I, I think I've lived a, a pretty healthy life when it comes to stealing. And I actually... Um, you know, as I was preparing for the message, I had to remember and think about, you know, times that I have knowingly and willfully stolen. And actually, um, I realized that I stole an action figure from my cousin, uh, who's not a Christian and not in church. And the story about Nicodemus actually convicted me. Um, and I contacted my cousin and said, hey, you know, this might sound weird, but uh, I was preaching on, on, you know, not stealing in church. And I realized that when we were kids, I stole from you and that was wrong and I wanna make it right. Um, would you allow me to A, ask for forgiveness and B, repay you four times, um, you know, what I stole you. And so I, I had to go back and look at, you know, what an action figure cost. And I estimated about $4 times it by four and then times it by 35 years interest. So he got, he's going to get a check this week for $161. So that's what I came up with. Look at that. Yeah. What did he say? What was his reaction? He didn't care. He's like, cause I love you. We were kids. He's like, he's like, you know, this guy doesn't go to church. He, he lives in Hollywood. He's like, do whatever you need to do. Do your thing. And I'm like, okay. You so, you. I, you know, I sent him a check for 161 bucks and, um, you know, I, you know, and I don't know what that, if that's ever going to stimulate a conversation in the future. Um, but I, I know this. I actually really felt good about it. And actually I've been wanting to go over to my parents' house because I believe, I don't know this to be true. I believe the action figure that I stole, my mom kept some of my toys. And of Mm -hmm. course, one of the toys that lasted all these years (laughs) is the crime itself. And so I want to mail it back to him. So not only do I want to repay him for what I stole, but I I think I actually have it. And I I want to send that back. And here's what I told him. I said, when we were kids, you know, his mom and dad worked. Only my dad worked. Um, my dad was a pastor of a very, very small church. We had very, very, my mom and dad don't, don't like me saying we were poor, but, uh, we, we were not, we were not poor, but we were, <laughs> we were, we were pretty, pretty, pretty poor. Like when I asked my mom, Hey, can I buy lunch at school? It was 75 cents. I remember my mom saying, 
we can't afford that. So 75 cents for mm-hmm. lunch was outside of her budget for food. Um, you know, we got a lot of government cheese. We got that from my aunt. And do you, I, don't know, you, I don't know if you're old enough to remember the blocks of cheese. Mm-hmm. I mean, these things were literally like the size of gallons of milk, but square. And, um, and you couldn't poop right for like a month if you ate that government cheese. But I think it was like, it said, it said cheese product on it. That's what it was. Um, but we got that. And I mean, like gallons of peanut butter. And it just said peanut butter had the oil on the top, you know? And so um, we got that from my aunt and we ate that stuff. And, but anyways, um, it led to a great conversation about, you know, just a, me saying, hey, not only, right? Cause we talked about coveting mm-hmm. and I would have never have thought that I coveted from him. But that's what ultimately led to the stealing is I said, I was jealous of the things you had yeah. when we were kids. And that was wrong. I'm sorry, please forgive me. I stole your action figure. And, um, and he laughed, he's like, whatever, <laughs> whatever, dude, you, you weird Christian, you. <laughs> but I actually, it actually was very healing for me to say, okay, I did that and that was wrong. <laughs> so yeah. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Like why we tend to? Yeah, I think uh, when you think of stealing, it's, it's usually a very tangible, like property oriented, direction that your mm-hmm. mind goes like have i ever stolen anything and what i love that you did with the sermon was you broadened that like there's a lot of other ways we can steal we can steal time mm-hmm. um you know we can we can steal um relationships we can steal uh, a lot of other kinds of things so i think as soon as you begin mm-hmm. to broaden the idea of stealing mm-hmm. we all can begin to identify yeah and just so you guys know me. people do this to me and probably to both of you every weekend at church so they begin with the, the sin of lying. Uh, I just need five minutes of your time, which they lie about. <laughs> and what they've done is they've they've bypassed the church process where we have people who are trained, gifted, and skilled at listening, hearing, and giving advice. They bypass that and they say, I need your time. Yeah. Um, I need it from you. They lie about the amount of time <clears throat> and then they take it. And so like when I'm in the lobby, you know, shaking hands, saying hi, whatever, that's not the time for counseling. That's not the time. We, we have time for counseling. And, and, and every now and then, you know, I might take an appointment, but the reality is that's what soul care ministry is for. Mm-hmm. That's what all these things are for. And so people, you know, steal that time. And, um, you know, one of the things that makes me able to communicate the way that I do uh, on the weekends is because we have campus pastors who are leading their campuses, including Hunter Park now, which I'm, I'm super glad. We have counselors that are doing counseling. We have people that are running ministries. And because they do what they do that's awesome. I'm able to to spend more time. And that's why a lot of these pastors, um, their preaching is not as good as because they don't have as much time. They just can't get to it because people are stealing their time from them. And I'm able I'm able to spend more time doing that. But um, I, you also talked about, we steal affection. I think uh, I got that point from you. You know, like guys will, or gals will pretend like they like someone to get something and they steal that, so. Yeah, one of the things you even opened with too was just the way we rob people of their value. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like the way you would kind of describe the command as um, putting people over things mm-hmm. and and not just thinking, as you said, Adam, of tangible stuff that we have taken from people, but like the actual value and dignity that people have to begin with. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of rob them of that mm-hmm. and the yeah. way that we treat them, rob their affection, other things like that. Right. Yeah, well, then, one, one thing you didn't touch on, sorry, Stephanie, was uh, Malachi. 
mm-hmm. right? That none of us think that we've ever stolen from God. Right. And yeah, yet, that's gonna be my question. Yeah, and and uh, it's which very is clear. why there's a whole chapter. Sure, yeah. it's very clear that uh, God, uh, the law of the Old Testament is that the first ten percent is our way of trusting Him financially. And uh, at Sandals Church, we believe that everything we have belongs to God, and He just asks us to trust us with the first portion of that. And uh, and He calls it stealing from Him mm-hmm. directly. And uh, and of course, it's there's the one it's the one thing in Scripture that He gives explicit permission to test Him on, and the promise when we trust God with what He has given us is that there's going to be blessing that you're going to have more than you need and all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I would say I think all of us are guilty of robbing God of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't make time for God. Um, he's called us to, and we're going to get to that with the Sabbath, mm-hmm. um, to give God one full day. And uh, we'll get into that with the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for the Jews starts in the evening. Mm-hmm. So you're actually rested, you're, you're pre-rested for the day of God. Mm-hmm. So think about that. People come to church just worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're worked because they're not pre-rested. Mm-hmm. They haven't devoted themselves to being attentive, ready. Uh, uh, we rob God of our talent. Like, think about it. We're all gonna stand before God one day and be judged, not for others' talents, mm-hmm. but for our own. Um, and then we rob God of our treasure, our, our tithe. And um, I got actually got a question on that. Somebody asked me, you know, should I tithe on my tax refund? And here's what I would say. Um, if you tithe on your gross, right? That's the total amount that you make. Then no, mm-hmm. you do not tithe on your tax refund. If you've tithed on your net, of course you do. Mm-hmm. Because you've tithed on the, on, on the amount uh, after tax. And what the government has said is, you, you paid too much tax, here's money back. So now you need to tithe on that amount. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to pray about and decide whether you do the gross or the net. And I'm just not that legalistic. Um, I just think it's always better to, to get more. Of, yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I don't want to make this whatever, but this, this last year, Tammy and I gave more than at any point in time in our life. And, and I told her that I said this, and, and, and the reason that's an accomplishment for me is because I'm such a selfish person. Mm-hmm. Like I'm such a sinner when it comes to my stuff. And God's had to break me down and rework me over the years just to become generous. And, um, you know, that's a goal. Just like if you're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, trying to battle an addiction, you know, you celebrate, hey, one year clean, two years clean. You know, I think mm-hmm. as a greedy person, it's, it's important for me to celebrate, hey, man, we were able to do this and, and support God and, mm-hmm. and do those things and, and, and just rejoice in that. And so for me, the goal is not 10%. 10% for Tammy and I was the, was the starting point of obedience. And, mm-hmm. and we're, gonna, we're gonna give over and above that. And the Lord just gives back to us. So, so time, talent, treasure, I think we, we rob from God. And again, you know, we've talked about this so much. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, we will all stand before the judgment throne of Christ. And we will be judged for both the good and bad we've done in our life. Mm. And um, we were actually talking about the uh, CSB translation. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems I had with your original translation was they said that we will we will all stand before the judgment throne of Christ and what is both bad and worthless. Well, they changed it because the Greek word is good and bad. Mm. And so, and sometimes our theology can dictate, right? We're, we're, we're worried about grace. Mm-hmm. And so they, yeah. they changed it. And I was like, didn't, didn't you and I, was it? Yeah, know? yeah, we were over coffee. I was it the CSB or was yeah, it? Was it's it, CSB. Okay. Yeah, they changed it. So oh, they, the whole, yeah, the Holman. Yeah, the Holman. The yeah. Holman Christian Center. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, they changed it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I also love, uh, somebody had asked me a question about membership recently. And uh, a lot of people don't know to ask that question because that, that's sort of an, an yeah. older church idea. We actually do have membership. It, it's a pretty straightforward process on your honor. But I was reading, uh, rereading that for the first time in a while to answer this person's question. Uh, if you want to look at that, I'm pretty sure it's sandalschurch.com slash membership. Mm-hmm. But one of the things on there was this idea that um, as a family, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Right, these are the expectations. Yeah. If you're in the family of God here at Sandals Church, and one of them was you're working toward that ten percent, right? right? That, mm-hmm. that we're not going to be stealing from God anymore. That, um, and I love that idea because not everyone starts. I, I'm kind of like you. I'm all or nothing. So yeah. when we started our journey, I was like, let's just. I remember go, your journey. <laughs> go all in, and uh, and that was uh, many many years ago. But yeah. um, but just the idea that like start somewhere, mm-hmm. like start yeah. moving in that direction. Um, and, and watch God move. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's and, clockwork. And one of the criticisms I think we get from the church is when we talk about money, you say, well, you're a business. Well, the church is a family business. Mm. We, we're family and we're a business. We got bills. We like, mm. we're both. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's really spiritual membership as opposed to, you know, really legal membership. It's spiritual membership. It's sure. saying I identify with this spiritual family and I care about the well-being of my pastors and the people that teach me and, and the people that provide for me, uh, that, that educate my kids and minister and and all the things that we do. And I want to see that happen. I want to see the kingdom of God mm. furthered. And so I'm going to contribute to that. And and I think that that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So we've got a lot of kind of practical questions just on, is this stealing? Is this not stealing? Is mm. this okay? Um, so Adam, one of the questions you actually sent over was talking about like, if a store or restaurant kind of gets our transactions wrong and we know that we're underpaying, is it on them? Or are we actually stealing if we don't say something yeah, like I, that? I have to go back and make it right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, m- the most frustrating company to me is Home Depot. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> Dude, Home like, Depot has, <laughs> has undercharged me and I get all the way home and it's, you know, it's it's substantial, man. And, you know, like, it's a, like, if you work at Home Depot, I love you. I hate going oh, to Home Depot. It's chaotic. It's aggressive. <laughs> it's like, you know, like, we, we had a church member, you guys, we had a church member in Home Depot slice their leg so bad they had to call 911. They were laying in the aisle at Home Depot. People just walked around this person. They got to build that fence, man. <laughs> He's laying on the ground in the aisle, bleeding out. And people are like, oh, I got to get this light switch. You know, nobody would help him. And so anyways, but Home Depot, man. (laughs) And so I got to go all the way back and say, hey, you know, you you didn't charge me for this. And and right, if you don't catch it, you don't catch it. But if I catch it, it's on you. Yeah. Then, then, yeah. then it's on me. So I sent this question in. Oh. And the story was literally because this week uh, we're doing a minor <coughs> bathroom remodel with some tiling and they they charged, uh, they scanned the skew for one of the tiles and didn't do the quantity. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. So there were 26 of these at 257 a square foot or whatever. Yeah. So literally I'm on the way home and I'm realizing this. I don't have time to go back. I will. But as of right now, I owe Home Depot $72 with tax. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm gonna go back and do that um, be, because one of my favorite parts about that, you know, even if it's not a direct answer to the question, like, is that stealing technically, right? right? Like, is it on them? Well, it was their mistake or whatever. I love the notion of going back and what it does to the person that hears that. Like oh, yeah. just the, the restoration that there's still decency. Yeah. Like I love, and, and you know, half the time they're like, Hey, it is on us. Like, don't worry about it or whatever. But the, the sort of process of them understanding that, you know what? People are still honest. Some people, right. Mm-hmm. Are still honest. Yeah. Not everybody's crooked. 
Um, and I just think it's a powerful sort of reminder of, uh, of what honesty and truth can do. Right. So, and yeah. I think real faith costs. Mm-hmm. Real faith costs. And so a lot of people say, well, I have faith and I'm a Christian, but it, if it doesn't cost you anything, I mean, Jesus said, examine the cost, mm-hmm. count the cost before you follow me. And I mean, some of you are new on your journey. And when you first become a Christian, it's all about you, all the things that God's done for you. But at some point you begin to, to transition from a child you know, to, mm-hmm. a, to a disciple and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, here's the things that I need to do. And you put away childish things and you start contributing, you start giving back and it needs to cost you something. And, you know, and I'll just say, you know, all of the campuses that we have, there are people that come that have given nothing. And there's people that have come that have given something. And I just think for the people who've given, it's a different experience when you walk in those buildings and, you know, Mm -hmm. you sacrificed, you gave, you participated, Mm -hmm. man, I did this Mm -hmm. and uh, we trusted God. And so that's what I think happens there. I love what you said yesterday, when we make something free, it devalues it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, when there's an investment, when there's a sacrifice, when there is a cost, it brings value, you know? And we see that a lot in parenting uh, with our kids. I mean, you you often will share a story like that, like, yeah, you can buy it if you want. And then all of a sudden it's, it's not as valued (laughs) or desired anymore, you know, when it's their money. So I got to tell you, so when I, when I calculated uh, the cost to repay my cousin, Mm -hmm. I did I did the math wrong, so I did compound interest times one point zero four percent rather than times zero four four zero four percent, which four percent is you know that's a pretty solid investment over thirty five years. That's how I came up with that number. You, so you can judge me or not judge me for that. But the initial the <laughs> you're ini- so far beyond <laughs> yeah. what I would have ever done. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I found your home seller. Here you go. But, target, but, the, uh, but the the original number was one thousand one hundred and sixty one dollars, and I was all, whoa, that's an expensive action figure. <laughs> Dang. And so, but I was like, okay, I got it. And then I realized my error and I was like, oh, it's $161. And so that felt better. But it was like, when I saw, when I saw that number, I was like, good Lord, man, I should have never stolen Han Solo. <laughs> so I mean, to your question too, this came up in my community group, this same scenario, because it's, it's, they, they feel as though it's not on them, right? It's not on me if that mistake happened, but what is on us is the seared conscience later. Oh, like yeah. if, if you are bugged by it, like one of the worst things we can do is to sin against our conscience. And so mm-hmm. that was something that we kind of landed on as a group is like, man, if it's going to bug you to that degree, yeah. you, you need to act on it. Mm-hmm. And then like you said, it's going to it's gonna be very redeemable in that moment for that person as you come forward and kind of surprise them with, hey, I owe you like 40 bucks. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. Especially well, when you we, work at Home Depot and yeah. well, yeah. mean to you there. Yeah. In my <laughs> small group, we have a, uh, I have an employee of Sandals this is in my small group. And they mentioned to me that they were advised from another employee to steal intellectual property and I, I was like, what? Mm. And to save money on budget, we had a staff member advising not to pay, you know, um, licensing fee. And I was like, no way, yeah, no, no, no. no way. Like we cannot do that. Mm. And uh, especially a lot of people like with music, mm-hmm. people steal music, people steal movies, people steal, you know, and you say, everybody's doing it. Well, God hasn't called Mm. you to be everybody. He's called you to do the right thing. And so I'm not going to listen to music that's pirated. You know, my roommate in college is in a band called Switchfoot and I've watched them struggle. And and a reason why he struggled so hard is because so much of their hard work is stolen Mm -hmm. and it's Christians, you know, Christians are stealing worship music and they're not paying. And, um, you know, when we, when we play music that somebody else has written at our church, we're paying a licensing fee to sing their song because their song has blessed us. Mm -hmm. Um, When I go to another church and I hear a message, I give an offering. Mm -hmm. Even though I tithe the sandals, 
a given offering because I don't want to take uh, the blessings of that church, the blessing of that pastor and what he spent that week. I, I want to, I want, I want to give. And um, I always try to do that. So yeah, for all that we could say about uh, the academic community, one thing that, that's uh really great about how, at least in its purest form, the academic community doesn't steal. They used to bug me like crazy, like the the labor of footnotes. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. G- giving credit where credit is due, right? Acknowledging that, look, there's not a lot new under the sun. You know, I'm really recombining old ideas. I'm, I'm presenting them in a fresh form. And hey, here's kind of how I'm piecing them together. Yeah. Here's here's the footnote that gives credit. You know, so just even the idea of stealing ideas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. W- without saying, hey, I got this from from someone else. And and uh, so I, I just I think it's important. I mean, we don't always have time to reference everything. I get right. that, but um, yeah, that happens a lot in the Christian church too. Sure. Sermons are ripped. Books. Oh yeah. Tweets. Yeah. Right? It's. Plagiarism yeah. is Artwork, huge. All sorts of things. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, our series, a uh, series called "You." I've seen it hacked by multiple pastors who are delivering it like it's their idea, and it's all my outline. I'm like, mm-hmm. you didn't think of any of this. Wow. Like, I, I'm just like, wow. You know, in my study this week, I'm like, it's not your study. It was on our website. Mm-hmm. So, and we found churches that have stolen all of our creative material, all of our mm-hmm. stuff, and and no credit given. Um, and we've had to seek legal action sometimes. I mean, there are other churches called Sandals Church whose vision is to be real with themselves, God, and others. And I'm like, we don't know you. Mm-hmm. Who are you? <laughs> you know, I mean, isn't that sad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, what would you say? Because I wonder sometimes if some of them justify that, well, we don't have the budget of Sandals. We can't like do what they do. What would you say to sort of that like Robin Hood mentality? Of, like we're just going to take from like rich people who have right. too much and give it to people who need it or who are poor. Yeah, like, so how does... I think, well, one of the lies with mega church is that, uh, they have more people, therefore they have more money. Well, the reality is they have more bills. And so um, if I showed if I showed you guys just our electrical bills from our nine campuses, many of you would have heart attacks <laughs> because, right, it's extraordinary money. Think about these big rooms that we heat and we cool and people get so upset like when they wanna rent a facility for you know a wedding and they're like, you wanna charge what? And it's like, it's not like there's a pile of gold that you're contributing mm-hmm. to. Like this yeah, is- RP the, still charges yeah, us. <laughs> the, we, we've got to- We've got to pay these people in order to make sure that these things happen. And people have a really, really hard time with that. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's just really sad. And so I think that um, when you say I'm robbing from the rich to give the poor, ultimately you're robbing from yourself. And what you need to do is, right, Jesus said, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Just look, you got to pay it, do the right thing, because in, the, in at the end of the day, it's your conscience. Mm-hmm. And, and over time, it affects you and it impacts you and you just need to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have far less anxiety paying your taxes if you just do the right thing. I was talking to one of the guys in our church and you know, he owes the IRS hundreds of thousands of dollars because he was cheating. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and he told me he actually feels better now that he's been found out because he had the anxiety of all these years of lying and cheating and hiding it. And now it's like, okay, well, this stinks, but at least going forward, I'm gonna do the right thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And the cost on the human soul is is nothing. I mean, it is is far surpasses like a, a financial cost. Yeah. You know, I mean that that can destroy a life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd rather have my bank bank account destroyed than than my soul. You know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Michelle sent in a really interesting question. She says, what happens when we have a breakdown in society like Hurricane Katrina in 2005 when money doesn't work for a time and we need to survive? Does stealing become okay? And in instances in the military where we have to steal to help others, how does that fit in? She said that question came up specifically in their small group where they have a veteran in their small group. And I think they serve in the military and had to steal to somehow help others. Uh, yeah, I have no idea because I was not there uh, for the military part. 
Um, I think stealing is never a good thing. Um, you know, obviously if, if someone's dying of, um, thirst, like, right. And there's nobody, I, I can't pay Seven Eleven for this two liter of water. I got, I obviously I've got to render aid. And so you are morally obligated to help, to feed and to do those things in those situations. You just got to be really, really careful that you're not, uh, somehow just giving yourself an excuse to do what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think in the, in terms of, you know, Hurricane Katrina and stuff like that, so much of the pain and suffering from the event has very little to do with the disaster and a lot to do with the theft. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I could just tell you, you know, we were, Tammy and I were um, in New Orleans and we were talking with one of the residents that was there and they just said the storm wasn't terrible. It was their neighbors. Mm-hmm. It was their neighbors that were robbing and stealing and just giving themselves permission to do all kinds of just thievery. And it's not because of the disaster, it's because law enforcement was preoccupied. Mm. That, that's the real reason uh, law enforcement was preoccupied. And here's the thing is, if law enforcement didn't have to deal with, you know, these morons that are stealing, they could help in delivering food immediately. But because they're distracted by theft, by robbery, I mean, if you look at the Katrina in the first 48 hours after the storm of, of what happened, how many banks were robbed, all these things that happened and these criminals took advantage, same thing just happened in Houston. It's really, really terrifying. Matter of fact, the, the fire in, in Northern California this year, they were unable to rescue people because they had to deal with literally people with U-Haul trucks going through communities mm. and rock. Think about this, a fire's come through, your house is spared, but you come home and it's all gone. It's all gone. All your stuff has not been burned. It's been stolen. And so they have they have to shut off these communities. The National Guard has to come out and keep people. And what people say is, well, their insurance is going to pay for it. Well, you're assuming they have insurance. Mm-hmm. You're assuming, right, that um, the insurance company doesn't go bankrupt. Like, for example, uh, our, our San Bernardino campus. So San Bernardino campus uh, was set on fire by arson. Well, you say, well, they have insurance. Somebody was angry at the church. It's not their money, whatever. I'm going to burn it down. Well, 9-11 happened and our San Bernardino campus insurance policy was the same company that insured the Twin Towers. Well, guess what happened? There's no money. (laughs) The Twin Towers go down and now the church can't be paid for. And so in these events like this, we assume that insurance can pay. Insurance companies, they don't have just an endless pot of gold either. At some point they run out And, and you're just, again, you're giving yourself an excuse to steal when you shouldn't steal. I don't want to comment on 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 the military person because you know I don't know what the situation is. Yeah. You're giving me a third party statement, and so I wasn't in group about what happened. And but certainly, if we have to choose between somebody dying and stealing, we have to steal. You, I mean, you you can't you can't say I would love to give you an EpiPen, but you know that that Walgreens pharmacy is closed. And I, like I'm breaking in. I'm going to find the EpiPen and I'm going to try to save your life. Yeah. And and then I'll tell the cops, hey, this is what I did. And if there's any consequence, I'll face that. But like if a really, a really, oh geez, Alfredo is going to die, I'm going to, um, I'm going to make sure that I give you the EpiPen. I hope you guys would do the same for me because mm-hmm. I actually need an EpiPen. And and if in the rapture, we, we don't all go up first. You guys all know who's the first to die. So it's going to be me. Yeah, I think in cases like that, you know, the ends never justify the means, Mm -hmm. but when it does come to preserving life, you know, there's a way to do that. And then at the end to potentially make right, you know, what's happened um, and and provide some kind of restitution after the fact or after the event. And I know even there's that Old Testament principle where um, God tells the people, 
everything that you harvested, like leave some. Yeah. Leave some on the edges so that mm-hmm. the sojourner, the alien, the people who are without can come by and take what they need, right? And so mm-hmm. even within our own life, there should there, there could be a structure in which generosity is uh, afforded, you know, some some layer of giving is provided for people who are in serious need. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think only with God do the ends justify the means. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, who's going to hate on Aladdin? On a, you know, I mean, he's just, <laughs> yeah. he's poor, needed some bread. <laughs> Sorry, that was... <laughs> just a little good. riffraff. I love yeah. that movie. <laughs> All right. So uh, this question came in and I just, I love her honesty. Uh, her name that she gave us was anonymous greed struck stay at home mom. Mm. She says, I've, been, <laughs> I've been a believer almost 19 years now, but I'm new to Sandals Church. Embarrassingly, one of my biggest sins is greed. My adolescent behaviors included taking money from my mom or dad, buying what I want, when I want, and buying what I don't need, buying my, friend, buying my friend's things, and simply spending more than what I had, leading to tremendous credit card debt when I was 22. Mm. Fast forward 10 years, I'm married, have three kids, and we never struggled financially and are actually in the wealthy middle class. Three years ago, I was really unhappy in my current state as a full-time stay-at-home mom of three kids, which felt like losing my identity and financial independence. I found myself getting more envious, jealous, and impulsive, and I started to forget to pay for items in my shopping carts. I would purposely hide things behind other items or under my purse, and then I would get cash back at the register from what I took, so it felt like I had more money. It quickly became an addiction, but thank God that behavior came to an end when I confessed this all to my husband two years later. While my husband has forgiven me and loves me, and God has forgiven me for stealing, I now just spend more, get a little cash out here and there at stores and still feel like greed is taking me down in another way. How can I learn to just be content and free of greed and stop wanting more? Yeah. Uh, who wants to go? That's great. Thank you for being honest. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. So I'll go. I'll go. So, so here's what I would say is I think any spiritual discipline takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes effort and it costs you. Um, you know, like I would love to say, so I, I've not struggled Uh, with greed in that way, but I struggle with lust. And so it took time, it took effort, it took discipline and and repeated confession. And I think ultimately for me, the key to uh, really dealing with my lust was I I had to get to the point where I agreed with God that it was bad. And that's what I would say is, um, I think, you know, steps to obedience is, the first step is seeing that what you're doing is wrong. Uh, The second step is, um, you know, to think about the natural consequences to what happens if you get caught. But the third concept, the third step is really is just trying to agree with God. How do, how do I agree with God? And that's ultimately where I want to go. Um, because it's, you know, a lot of people that don't um, believe in God understand what we would all consider the difference between right and wrong, mm-hmm. understand the consequences. But the goal for the believer is not to be like unbelievers. It's actually to agree with God. And for me, when I came to the conclusion, sex outside of marriage is wrong, then at some point I actually started believing that. At some point it just changed. And and so for you, I think, you know, maybe a, a lot of your identity unfortunately is wrapped up in things, stuff. And what you need to do ultimately is have your identity wrapped up in God. Cause I even hear you saying, well, I quit work and now like, who am I? Mm-hmm. What am I? And I see a lot of women struggling with that. And, and we dealt with that in our own marriage. You know, when Tammy worked and supported me at Sandals early on, like all she wanted to do was be a stay-at-home mom because she felt guilty because she wasn't spending the time with the kids that she wanted. So then transition, Sandals is able to support me and now Tammy's a full-time mom. Then she struggled with, who am I? I have no purpose, I have no value, I'm needy, uh, you know, towards you and I'm not contributing. And so she struggled on that side, which left me as a husband totally confused and <laughs> bereft of any wisdom. So- um, Bereft, he just yes, said bereft. Yes. Good word. Nice. Good word. Um, <laughs> So, 
What I would say is there needs to be a lot of work there in who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, as a child, um, you were very selfish and your parents were either unable or uninterested in helping you confront that. You never should have been allowed to steal from your parents. Mm-hmm. And we will get into that um, when we tackle honor thy father and mother. And so, um, you know, that's just one of the natural consequences of our society is mom and mom and dads have more free time and more free spending than any time in human history. And because of that, kids now are more focused on what they want to do rather than what they ought to do. And that's just a consequence of freedom and, uh, you know, our economy and being born in America. And it's a global problem worldwide. But um, so much of spiritual disciplines are learning to do what you should do and have to do so that later you can do what you want to do. And it's just getting hard things done first. And uh, it sounds like maybe she's got a little addiction. You know, there's, there, there are people that get a little buzz. Uh, you know, some people get a high from drugs, alcohol, sex. Some people get a high from stealing mm-hmm. and there's a rush of doing something wrong. And, you know, am I going to get caught? And you can get addicted to that. And so um, maybe even go see a counselor and mm-hmm. talk about these issues and, and unpack and process this. And here's what I would do is I would encourage you to spare no expense on digging into what's wrong and why you do what you do. In order for us to be who God has called us to be in righteousness, we really need to deal with our own personal evil mm-hmm. and why we do what we do. And um, there was a guy, I can't remember his name. Gosh, darn it. He wrote a book um, in the 1990s and it was called uh, The Forgotten Seller of Christians. And his whole point was in order to go up, you have to go down. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it was a great, great book. He also wrote The Pressure's Off. I'm trying to think some of the books that he wrote. And no yeah. one's coming to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a really popular writer in the 90s. But any other thoughts by you guys? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that a lot of times, whether it's greed or lust or whatever, our approach is how do I defeat greed? Mm-hmm. And the answer isn't so much in defeating greed as it is in practicing generosity. Right. We have this, this sort of flawed logic that once I sort of overcome this problem of greed, then I'll be freed up to practice generosity. And a lot of times it's exactly that practice that ends up defeating the greed. And so um, as you begin to practice generosity um, as a remedy, I, I think before you know it, you'll look back and you'll be like, oh, wow. Like I'm, I'm gaining ground on the greed thing. Um, I actually thought I was sort of caught off guard because I thought the question was developing in a different direction. So the question that came out for me, let me just address really quickly. Uh, I, I thought she was going to say, hey, I'm forgiven by my husband and my God, but do I need to go back yeah. and make things right? Kind of like you did yeah. with your cousin. And I just want to say this, um, y- y- that's not always possible. And so, um, you know, if, if your cousin wasn't around yeah, anymore, dead, right? Yeah, yeah you, you wouldn't be able to do that. Or um, one of the principles uh, in, in the 12 steps when it comes, I mean, insofar as there's an addiction is making amends unless it's going to do more harm than good, right. yeah. you know? And so there are instances where you have to trust the forgiveness that you've received. And, uh, it, you know, if your conscience is cleared, um, then, then we don't have to obsess over going back and making every possible thing, right? Especially if there's a long story in history of addiction, mm-hmm. um, you'll drive yourself bananas trying to remember every yeah. one oh, you've yeah. done wrong. Yeah. And that can oh, yeah. be its own, uh, you know, sort of added layer of a problem. And so, uh, so I think that's an important dynamic yeah. there as yeah. well. And remember what Paul said. So I would go back to that week and it's two weeks ago, but I believe it was in Ephesians. Paul says, let the thief steal no longer but let him use his hands for doing good so that he may be able to share with those who are in need. Uh, and Stephanie, I'll attach that verse in the, in the show notes. So I've got it memorized, but I don't have the actual verse. Um, 
And so that's what you really need to focus on. I think that's what Adam is really hitting on here is let your focus be on, okay, my hands were used for stealing. Now I'm gonna use my hands for generosity. So talk with your husband, get his permission. How can we share? How can we give? You know, how can, how can we bless and look for opportunities to do that? And, um, you know, I remember a real key shift for me in my generosity is because I just was really very self-focused. And uh, one time in particular, you know, going out to dinner was a very, very rare thing um, in my childhood, my kids call it their life. You know, we go out to dinner all the time. But we, Tammy and I were, we were out on a date and there was this, you know, husband and wife and their kid. And you could tell it was a very special event. And um, I don't know why. I just said, Tammy, I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading me to pay for their dinner. Would you would you join me in that? And my wife said, I love seeing when you're generous. And so I, I paid for these people's dinner and you know, of course I told, I said, don't tell them who it is, which they, no one ever honors that. <laughs> and this family came over to me, they were immigrants from Puerto Rico and they were both doctors. The problem is their education was in Spanish. And so to pass the, uh, to be a doctor in America, you have to, you have to pass it in English. And so, um, uh, so uh, um, they came over and they just wept. They said, we were so blessed economically um, you know, in our home country, we came to America and, and we didn't have money to celebrate our daughter's uh, birthday, but we felt like God would provide. Mm. Wow. Dang. I'll never forget it. And they wept at our, at our table wow. and, and hugged us and didn't know what to say. And it was Chinese food, right? We weren't at like a five-star restaurant, but for them, you know, they want to honor their daughter. They want to bless their daughter, their only child. And she probably was 14. Uh, and they had a little gift and, um, you know, and, and the guy said, how can I ever repay you? And I just never forget, I said, one day, when you guys are back on your feet and you pass mm. those tests in English, do this for somebody else, mm. you know, pay it forward. You don't owe me anything. And um, and it, at first it was awkward, but it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And just so look for those opportunities and do be generous with what you can be generous with. Don't, mm -hmm. don't Paul says, don't give what you don't have, right? So if you don't have it, you don't have it. And so that's why we give people time. We give people encouragement. We give people words. Like money is not the only way to bless somebody. Mm. And um, give what you can. Always look forward to ways of, of being generous. And anytime you can say no to yourself in a healthy way, it's a godly way. So yeah. mm -hmm. I just want to commend that girl too for sharing that yeah. and, oh, yeah. and being mm -hmm. able to make that change and confess to her husband. Because mm -hmm. her fight against greed really is all of our fights against greed, you mm -hmm. know. And it may not start so much with like me saying, don't be greedy today, but maybe addressing the security that she's looking for in stuff and mm -hmm. saying, how can God give me a better security? You know, how can God give me a better fullness? And that's just kind of the work of, of prayer and, and time in the word and with yeah. people, mm -hmm. you know, because it's, it's an ongoing thing. So, yeah. And even just it, when you say prayer, uh, I don't want to skip over the, what might seem obvious, right? Like, have you asked God for help? Yeah. Right. I mean, like we, we can, we can talk about it with yeah. our husbands. We can mm -hmm. even confess it in community group. All those things are good. And, and part of a multi-layered approach to, to, you know, kind of combating greed, but man, spend some time saying, God, I can't do this. Yeah. Like yeah. this is a real problem. Yeah. Would you, by the help of your spirit within me, overcome something that I can't. Mm -hmm. Make me secure in you. Yeah. Those mm -hmm. kinds of things. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So as we start to wrap up now, we're going to kind of shift the direction of the question a little bit. Um, some people who've been affected by uh, stealing. And Adam, you were kind of you sent over some notes on something that had happened to you. And I think yeah. something stolen from your home. Can you jump into that? Yeah. So uh, we had bought our youngest. We have four boys. We had bought our youngest a new bike. Uh, one of the guys over at East Valley manages some bike stores and he helped us get a good deal on it. And it was, it was a nice bike. And um, in our house, our, our neighborhood is a, is a good, decent neighborhood, but our house has an alley. And uh, alleys are a yeah. place where no good happens. Yeah. <laughs> and so we had a couple of the boards behind this sort of uh, dog run where we keep where we kept the, the boys' bikes that had fallen over, so people could like see in there. And I hadn't had a chance to repair it yet. And I was actually gone. Um, it's amazing how all the gnarly stuff that happens happens when I'm yeah not when around. Dad's and, gone, yeah. and my wife Shane Lee is like ah. And so um, his bike got stolen. And and a couple others that weren't as new or you know whatever, and so that's that rattled my wife. Like one of the one of the points in the sermon was yeah. it steals people's security, yeah. and that's not normally a struggle for my wife. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, she's not got a lot of high six, but now all of a sudden she's like, Adam, will you repair the fence? Will you repair the fence? I just did that last week. Finally, Home Depot run. <laughs> yes. Um, and so um, so yeah, just just knowing and, and just the the feeling that 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 leaves. Mm-hmm. Even just the sadness for my youngest son, we haven't replaced the bike yet, you know? And so it's just like, like, what do you, you know, like, it's just a, it's a, it's a challenging thing uh, to deal with. And so um, just from a secure, a place of security and, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's a great opportunity to teach your children, but it's at his expense, you know, and that just stinks, you know? So um, we were barely a month into our house and, and we got robbed. Uh-huh. I left my car unlocked and the garage door opener was in there and someone came through and mm. took a bunch of stuff, even some Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> but I only took two of them and then like threw the rest in my neighbor's yard and found the clicker down the street. And yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's an eerie feeling. You feel completely vulnerable and exposed. And yeah. for yeah. my wife, who is a six, that was, took yeah, a while. It, it reminds me of a funny story. I run into... I, I I attract crazy. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. the the pastor thing, um, but I, I ran into this this guy in my neighborhood. He he was n- not ashamed. He was very clearly a meth addict. Um, l- didn't live on my street, but but a block over or so. And he <laughs> he told me that they that he'd been he'd been eyeing my house, but for whatever reason he he'd stayed away from it. Mm. And he said after after like hanging with you for a minute, I'm gonna let all my other homies know. Like leave that one off. I was like, how about you do that? For my neighbors too, like yeah. just, you know, I was like, "Thanks, buddy. Like we made this connection. You're not going to rob me. Cool, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. what would you kind of say to people though? Like, what did you like maybe talk about with your wife? Like, when you have that like really uneasy feeling after having something stolen from you, how do you kind of learn to rebuild your trust in people, society, and like move forward, not just in fear all the time or mm-hmm. like mad at every meth guy in your neighborhood? Like, how do mm-hmm. you move forward from that and have a healthy view of things after mm-hmm. that something like that's happened to you? Yeah, I remember my brother-in-law, he came over that day and he said just, he, he started out practically by saying, don't take this personal. Mm. Like this is probably a, a scavenger, like a transient. They're just coming over looking for scraps. Mm. And so at one level that was helpful. Like I was able, and Ashley was able to kind of detach ourselves from things that were available to people to steal. But then secondly, also, I think just like realizing this is part of the world we live in, mm-hmm. you know, it's a very broken, dysfunctional world. Um, and, and yet God is still going to be the one who deals with those kinds of things, especially mm-hmm. if you feel like, man, I got to make things right. Things got to be right. Yeah. There is a sense in which you have to allow God to, to do his thing. Um, especially in those moments when you feel like very, very vulnerable because you are helpless. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing you can do. You can take a police report, you know, but they're looking yeah. at you like, nah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. 
at the end of the day, and, and and not to minimize the emotions or even my own wife's insecurity, right? That's a real thing. But at the end of the day, it's stuff. Yeah. And and I think that, that comes back mm-hmm. to the the first main point. This where is our value? Right. Is it in the things, or is it in you know the fact that hmm. they didn't they didn't break and enter into our house? Right. Yeah. I mean, they, no one was hurt. Uh, the people that I love are okay. Right. Um, and a bike can be replaced, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'd rather choose that perspective and bring peace of, of mind and security back than, than live in the worry or the insecurity. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and again, as an opportunity, as a formation opportunity for my youngest boy, Axel, to say, hey, look, you know, this, you know, this really stinks. And, you know, one day we'll, we'll replace it. But, um, but at the end of the day, this isn't what's most important. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, um, you know, Kennedy, uh, my middle daughter, you know, her car was broken into mm. and all her gift cards for Christmas were in her glove mm. box. And um, we've had some some problems with theft in our driveway mm. uh, specifically. And, you know, here's what I would just remind you, when you, when you have stuff stolen, and I, and, I, and I know I'm a pastor, but I want you to think about why when you read Malachi 3, stealing bothers God. Mm. Mm. It, he doesn't like it, it when his children are not generous. And um, I, I used to get so upset with my kids, you know, when uh, they didn't want to get a gift for their mom when they were little. And I'm like, everything you have comes from me. And you're going to be stingy to the one who gives you everything. Mm-hmm. And yet, right, you know, 93% of people who call themselves born again Christians have never given 10% of their of their income. They're, they're not even close. Mm-hmm. I think the national average for evangelicals, which just so you know, we're the highest, <laughs> like we give back. <laughs> we, we, this statistic sounds terrible, but we're better than anybody else on this issue. Uh, only 7% of people who call themselves evangelical born again Christians give mm-hmm. a tithe. So 90, 93% don't. Um, and that's the pinnacle of the Christian umbrella. I, they don't include Mormons in that. I think Mormons would probably kick all of our butts on that, but I think all they right. get a bill. So, and if if you're Mormon and you listen to this, send in the show to tell us what happens there. But I didn't grow up in Mormon church, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think Mormons. It's a little more structured. A little more structured. Yeah, that's that was a good way of saying that. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. So that's a great might, way. Might be an effective of, method, huh? Yeah. yeah. Up and up our up and our budget a little bit. Send them a bill. <laughs> well, that's why they got such nice buildings, man. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say that was a great way of kind of phrasing it, especially around our identity as it relates to God. Because I remember I had my ID stolen twice, my social, uh, so my credit was well, ruined. I mean, I'm a Hispanic in Southern California, so yeah, <laughs> my name and social number is uh, is a hot commodity. But it was hard. We couldn't get credit. We couldn't get a house, wow. and uh, it, it came to a point where I had to realize, like, man, who who am I before God? Yeah. Um, the life I wanted to live, I was I was still living for the most part. You know, like you said, it, it's just at the end of the day stuff. Um, it is just a it is just a process though a painful process that you got to go through of you know getting things back kind of recovering a sense of this is who I actually am mm-hmm. um, with the IRS and with oh, all yeah. these other agencies <laughs> but yeah and, and for the Christian there actually is no such thing as identity theft yeah like no one can steal your identity mm-hmm. on, on when when, you, when we talk about who you are recovering who you are um, the, the we we have to always fall back on that that is unshakable. Um, and secure, um, and and I know that's that sounds a little cheesy. Like it doesn't help when you're having to yeah buy a house. I get that, but, um, but yeah, Tammy and I about. couldn't write a check for ten years Man. because we we lived 
you know, back when bill pay, we used to pay our, we used to write checks and put them in the mailbox and all the millennials are like, what? <laughs> but someone stole all of our checks, washed them and then rewrote them and Oof. spent, uh, one check was written for $6,000 at Home Depot. So what they do is they buy, they, they write a check, buy windows, go over and return it for cash. So in my name, and we, we couldn't, we could not write a check to Home Depot for 10 years. Man. We couldn't write a check at Ross. So they, remember they used to have the check reading machines? Mm-hmm. You, they would run the check and my wife would be bawling because we could Aww. never write a check. And I remember one time she's crying. We were like at um, Walmart or something. She's like bawling. I swear we have money. We couldn't write a check. So, and that was before ATMs. So like you had to actually go to the bank, get cash. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a huge problem. It was 10 years, 10 years because somebody thought, well, I'll just rewrite their checks. Mm-hmm. And um and again, like if you're a thief, man, use your creativity, use your giftedness for good. Do something good mm-hmm. with that. Um, uh, most thieves are very creative and very ingen- uh, ing- what's the word? Ingenuitive. Ingenuitive. Use that for Ingen- good. Take that. Ingenious. Yeah, and, and and you know, um, do something good with it, right? And that's what mm-hmm. Paul's saying. Do something good with your hands. Say, okay, God, I've, I've using this to hurt people and wound people. And again, the lie of the thief is it's just stuff. They have insurance. This doesn't matter, but you're not thinking about what it does to them. And, um, you know, it, it's just, it's just terrible. And um, I, I don't know if you guys heard what happened in Mexico, but an American businesswoman was beheaded last week because people robbed her and they um, assumed her company had a hostage policy mm-hmm. and her business did not. And so the husband and the family couldn't raise the funds and so they they sent the head to the family. And it's like, I mean, it's like the assumption was, oh, the insurance will cover it. And then mm-hmm. they got in a situation. And it's like, oh my gosh, like you're, you hear that, you're just like, oh, good Lord. Um, and again, you know, I don't know what the intent of these people was when they began, but man, things get out of control. You, you, mm-hmm. you steal, you find yourself in a position. Like I, I, I shared this story about the guy who killed two people in our church like 10 years ago. Do you remember that story? Well, he robbed the place. He had no intent of shooting anybody. Mm-hmm. But the owner of the of the uh, mar- the liquor store had a gun, so the owner pulled the gun. He shot, killed the owner, killed I think it was the nephew or whatever. And all he wanted was hundred bucks. So his intent was, mm-hmm. I'm just going to steal money. It's not a big deal. It led to two deaths. Mm-hmm. Then he calls the church and he says, "What do I do?" I'm like, oh. you turn yourself in. Mm-hmm. But his intent, his intent was minor. Right. The the ultimate impact was like he, he's, I think he got uh, life in prison. Wow. So, you know, but, and, and he's, ter- here's the thing, he's terribly sorry for what he did, mm-hmm. but that doesn't bring those doesn't people back. It, yeah. yeah. So, um, so Since, just, just know, like a lot of your friends that, you know, start stealing, they get themselves in situations. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, when we were in New York City, Two weeks ago, there was a robbery at a uh, cell phone store and the uh, guy robbing had a fake gun. Well, nobody knows that. So the cops get on the scene. I don't know if you read about it and they shot each other. So bullets are flying. Nobody knows who, whatever. And so an undercover cop first on the scene, the detective was killed because he was shot by other cops. And it's like, well, I used a fake gun. I wasn't going to hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, now there's a, there's a, there's a you know, 20 year veteran who's dead because nobody knows, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just terrible. And, and once shooting starts, unfortunately, right? No, nobody knows what's going on until the shooting stops. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. And um, and in that case, they killed a cop, cops killed a cop. It was 
So when we were there, it was just, it was, it was terrible mm. in New York City. Mm, and, um, and the guy was saying, he said, I didn't even have a real gun. Well, mm. yeah. nobody knew that. So just be real careful. You can, you can talk yourself into anything, but it can put yourself in, in positions and places. And if you're hanging out with people that steal, just know in the end, that's not going to end mm. well for you. Um, and like the gal said, you know, one of my friends is an undercover detective and he just said, thieves just can't stop. Mm. They lie to themselves. They'll say, they say, this'll be the last time. But the reality is once you steal and you get away with it, that's easier than working for it. Mm -hmm. And so they get addicted to that. And then before you know it, you're caught and man, you're going to jail for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just so sad. Yeah. So. All right. I've got one last question we'll wrap up with here. Um, it's from Sarah and she says, while my parents were dying, my older sister manipulated them and she got the majority of the inheritance. She and her husbands have never been good stewards and don't own anything. I know my inheritance is in heaven, but I'm mad because she also poisoned my dad's mind and that I was a bad daughter the last months of his life. Ugh. This hurts more than the money she stole. How do my younger sister and I get over this? I don't know that you do. I mean, you have to give grace, but unfortunately this is way more common than you think. And it's because what, what is the point of the eighth commandment to value people over things? Mm -hmm. And your sister chose things over you. And that, right, that hurts. Oh yeah. That really, really hurts. And um, I said this, that um, the reason that the Bible says don't steal from your mother and father is that the, 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 the elderly are most likely to be robbed, mm -hmm. not by a stranger, not by a thief, but by their own children. And that that's what happens. And so to all of our other listeners, and you know, I've I've talked to my mother-in-law to no avail <laughs> about trying to get a will and understand what what you know, I think it's hard for all of us in our society to think about death. Mm -hmm. It's hard to imagine that people would do the wrong thing. I am telling you, that is the norm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that. It's not. That's not the exception. It's the rule. Like people get weird about money. Spell it out. Make it clear. Have your parents put everybody. So you know everybody needs to be on the will. So all siblings must be present for the will to change. Not one. You know, like, uh, and 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 I just would put something in there that if the will's contested, nobody gets anything. Like, just just do that and. Uh, I'm lucky and blessed to have a, I, I think a healthy enough relationship with my brother. Um, I'll probably have to dispense everything because he lives in Chicago and my parents live here. Um, but ultimately, you know, I have my parents' will in my fi financial cabinet. Um, I have all of that stuff. God forbid, I don't want anything to happen, but so, so that I can make sure that I can do that. And unfortunately, you know, that's a, I hate to say this, but that's a lack. It's not just your sister. It's a lack of preparation on, on your parents and, and, and seniors can be manipulated. Mm -hmm. They can be. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so that's what we have to protect them uh, from being lied to and, and not being told to. And, and you have to think about it. Seniors, as we age, we become a lot like children. We're easily manipulated. And so that's why we need to, especially like, you know, if you're still young and healthy in your sixties and seventies, this needs to be airtight now mm -hmm. so that when you're 95, you know, wow, you live to be a hundred, that your will is still, you know, there, that your trust will outlive you. And so I'm just so sorry that that happened. Just know this doesn't make it feel any better. It's pretty normal. Um, I don't know, what would your guys' advice yeah. be to how she relates I, to her sister? You know, that without trying to oversimplify it or reduce the, the, the pain and the frustration there, there is a sense in which what you have between your family is, more valuable than than tangible things, right? So there's like a bond there. There's there's memories there. There's a there's a sense of your connection to them. 
that can't be taken or measured by things that are handed off or stolen, you know, at, at a time of a family right. member passing. But then on top of that, you know, there's that proverb you even shared in, in your sermon, stolen bread tastes sweet, but then it turns to gravel in the mouth. There is a sense in which like that's going to come back yeah. on them. And obviously we don't look forward to that happening, but, mm-hmm. but know that things that are stolen don't actually give us the life that we've wanted. And so um, there, there is a sense in which things will be handled in that sense, you know, in that way. Um, and and you've got to be able to hold on to the things that you do have mm-hmm. um, and the memories that you do have, because those things can't be taken from them. So yeah. I would say a wound like that or any other wound, I mean, that the path of healing is paved with forgiveness. There's really no way around releasing that. And and yeah, forgiveness, that's easier said than done. That can be a process at times. But insofar as you're um, carrying that uh, within yourself against your sister, uh, Sarah, Sarah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that, that that's going to eventually eat you up mm-hmm. and destroy the possibility for future relationship. Um, and, and forgiveness is always costly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, there's a cost to you releasing that, a cost to yourself to release that. And like we were saying earlier, uh, things that cost are, are valuable. So the, the freedom you gain on the other side of that forgiveness is going to be a lot, is going to far outweigh the cost of, of letting that go and not holding that against her over her head or even just uh, within yourself. Yeah. And I would yeah. say this, I don't know your sister. Most people don't just say, I'm going to steal this. What most people do is they have created a rationale for why they're going to steal. So, or why they should get to yeah. So maybe what happened is your sister feels like she was the caretaker, so she deserves more. Uh, maybe you were younger and you were spoiled, so she's created this narrative. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that's true. She's created a narrative, so she gets to rip you off and not feel bad. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is I would send a letter and just say, "Hey, I feel like you you stole from me." Just say it pure. If I've done something that's caused you to believe like this is justified, I'm sorry for that. I apologize for what I did, whatever, whatever. I want you to know that in the end, I believe it's in your best benefit because I love you and care about you, that you do the right thing and share the inheritance equally. However, right, the law's on your side if it is. You do you you get to do what you want to do. I just encourage you to do the right thing because I believe in the end that's actually best for you. Mm-hmm. And so own, own, whenever you're confronting somebody, I always try to figure out, is there something I can own? Mm-hmm. Is, is there some wound that I've incurred? And let me say, it helps some people, some people it doesn't. So I don't know if it's gonna help your sister or not. I don't know your sister. I'm just saying, I mean, I see this, like, I mean, I just saw recently where like siblings are fighting and they're saying, well, you know, grandma and grandpa did this for your kid and not for mine. And and literally they, they want to have this accounting at the end of the deceased life without the, 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 the person present. And they're deciding what grandma or grandpa should or shouldn't have done. And it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. what you get to do is dispense the will, not reaccount for your own personal grievances of what you did or you didn't get. And just know, you know, birth order affects the way we see life. Oldest siblings feel one way, middle kids feel another, the baby feels another way. Male uh, children feel one way, female children feel another way. And so just try to understand that, like if if we let ourselves, we're all gonna feel slighted and we're all gonna all feel justified for ripping our sibling off. I mean, right, Jacob does it to Esau mm-hmm. with his mother's encouragement. Yeah, <laughs> You know, mom is saying, lie so you get the inheritance. Right, parents are involved with that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's in the Bible, <laughs> right? 
lie so that God will bless. And it's like, oh my gosh. And, um, you know, thank God Esau found it in his heart to forgive Jacob. Otherwise the story ends, right? <laughs> you know, because Esau could have killed him and chose ultimately in the long term to put his brother over the theft. That's one of my favorite, favorite parts of that. There's not a lot of redemption in Genesis when he says, you know, he hugs him and he embraces him. And he's like, look, man, we were kids. Kind of like my cousin did. Mm -hmm. We were kids. That was stupid. I love you. But, uh, you know, and little Jacob, dude, sends his wife first, his kids first. I mean, what a weasel, man. <laughs> Can you imagine? You tell your wife, you're like, I need you to go first. <laughs> I want you to lead with, you know, our son, but not this one. You know, come on, get out there. Oh my gosh, what a weasel. So, sorry, Lord, for talking about Jacob. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for sending in those super just honest questions about stealing. Thank you guys for joining us yes. on the show today. Fredo and Adam, we love Dude, having you here. this is the mental power crew at Sandals. I know. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks. <laughs> love you guys. All right. See you guys. See ya.